America, Washington, D.C., signing on. When the Santa's located deep in the heart of rural northern North Carolina. It is very good to be with you on this Monday evening. Monday evening, although a lot of you will probably listen to this on Tuesday morning. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, anyway, in the studio, behind the microphone, and uh, really excited to get another episode kicked out. To you, of course, the Gorilla's Guide to Balfang Radio is still just like burning it down. Uh, absolutely burning it down. Today it was number one, ranked number one in not one, but three categories. So that makes it a, uh, uh, a three category number one bestseller on Amazon.com, which is pretty wild. Pretty doggone wild. A lot of imitations out there, a lot of junk, a lot of chat GPT crap that's been written. Uh, the Gorillas Radio Balfang Bible 10 in 1. Oh, 10 in 1, right? 10, what is the 10 in 1? Oh, it's fully illustrated, but there's no illustrations, right? It's all this, it's just a bunch of crap. Uh, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. A lot of you aren't. A lot of you aren't, and uh, you know it, it had to take some wrangling, a little bit of wrangling. You know, people uh, have sent me a lot of emails. Hey, man, is, is this is this an updated version of your book? What is this? You know, it's, it's like, hey, is is my pen name on there? No, then I didn't write that. Okay, <laughs> you know, it, it's um, and it is frustrating. I'll admit, it can be frustrating. It can be downright angering. Um, you know, when you see ripoff imitation products and, you know, there's, there's a couple of ways to look at it. There, there's a real negative way that you could look at something like that and say, ah, man, you know, they're trying to rip me off, trying to rip everybody off. This, this sucks, whatever. Then there's the optimist way. And this is the way that I look at it is that what has been created, the book the product as as authored is really, really significant because not necessarily for the book itself, although the response has been strong, 60, uh, 652 reviews for a 4.7 rating. That's that's pretty incredible. Um, and I'm very honored by that. But but um, really, it's the audience. And that's what these scam artists, that's what the people who are imitations, you know, they're putting out this junk. 
that's what they really want. Okay, they want to scam you. They don't want to rip me off necessarily in so much as they see that there is this whole community out there that has a need, that has uh, a desire to learn. They, they need the, this product. Okay, they need this knowledge. And so they're seeking to capitalize on that. And so they want to rip you off is really what it comes down to. And that makes me very, very angry. Um, I, I don't like that. You know, if, if somebody can stand on their own merits, then, then great, do it, um, you know, and, and see where it takes you, whether you're successful or not. But the community wants to hear a genuine voice, you know, and, and not be fed a line of garbage because we get enough of that into our day-to-day lives, right? We get enough of that. But, um, you know, anyway, it, it's just really important. I mean, the word is out there, of course, and, you know, we're, we're, um, really doing some incredible things and this community is doing some incredible things and we have some spicy times ahead of us um you know that really goes without saying of course uh right on time right on cue right on message right on brand we have another quote-unquote shooting and uh this time unfortunately in jacksonville florida um you know, and, and there's a couple of points that I want to make about this. Uh, there's a couple of really important things that I think need to be pointed out. Some folks have pointed this out, and you know, and and, and I've I've also pointed this out over on Twitter, um, as well as AmericanPartisan.org, and it, you know, but it bears repeating. You know. There's no such thing as coincidence and killers, right? Killers, murderers, uh, people with with problems, right? That that go out and act on that. You know, we we've had you know terrorist incidents, right? And and I'm gonna call it that because that's what it is, uh, based on the messaging, based on what I saw. However. With that said, um, looking at the weapon, it doesn't make sense that someone would write messaging in white paint marker on their weapon. That doesn't make sense. And there's some other things about that messaging that was on there that doesn't fit, Um, does not fit, does not fit. Uh, the quote-unquote extremist model, you know, and and these things began with Brendan Tarrant in New Zealand, um, who you know shot up the mosque, and there was some shady things about that too. Um, how a guy from Australia, he's an Australian citizen, was able to buy uh, not one but two firearms in New Zealand, which has some of the most restrictive firearms laws on earth, doesn't really make a whole heck of a lot of sense. Um, you know, you have that, you had the Buffalo shooter that was doing the same thing. Um, there were a couple of others that were out there. Now, of course you have Jacksonville. Um, this doesn't make sense. Okay. Plain and simple. It does not make sense. It is very, um, it is very unusual for 
someone of a, any ideology to do something in that manner. Um, I'm not saying that it can't happen. And I'm also not saying that, that copycats don't necessarily occur. But it is extremely unlikely. It is extremely unlikely. And the, the parallels here of the response of each one of those. Of course, we forget things. And the way that the narrative is shaped by the media, um, it stinks. Okay? Uh, it stinks. Now, I'm not diminishing what happened, but the results are what they are. And, you know, we have the campaign of uh, Governor DeSantis that is uh, shuffling its position on things right now, of course. One thing that I don't understand about him, not to shift gears, one thing I don't understand about him is if he sees the popularity of, of Trump, right? And he sees his own popularity as well. Why not capitalize on that? on the national stage, the messaging is bad. Uh, the messaging is bad. The social media supporters, the grifters that are uh, paid influencers for him are really, really cringeworthy. I mean, they are for Trump as well. I, you know, a lot of these people are just, you know, they're transparent as glass. However, uh, however, DeSantis could capitalize on that furor easily easily and he's not doing it he's not doing it and it just doesn't he's trying to position himself to placate to the neocons and that isn't going to work uh that isn't going to work and he's um he's shuffling around now on you know oh the pressure oh the pressure this astroturf nonsense that of course the left is waiting there because the left wants you disarmed and i want to i want to remind all of you something you have antifa you have john brown gun club you have redneck revolt you have the socialist rifle association that are all very well armed very well armed but they want you to give up your firearms. And there is no calls on the left for those people to be disarmed. Keep that in the back of your mind. But of course, we have the the Republicans just continuing to fumble, uh, continuing to fumble. And I find that it's very interesting that the narrative shift on this Jacksonville uh, quote unquote shooting or three people were shot. Three people were also shot in the white Sox stadium, uh, during a game. And, uh, it was more than three. And we didn't really hear much about that. Um, white Sox didn't even announce it. Uh, they didn't even announce it in the stadium, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, that's just life in, in, uh, Chicago, right? You know, it's just the Chicago way, as they say. It's normalization of violence. And, um, you know, their answer, of course, is for you and I to be disarmed. That's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. It didn't work out the other times. It's not going to work out this time. Um, that is just the way things go. Um, and it is, it, it's, it's really become... 
uh, a political football that people are on both sides are, are grifting off of, making money off of. But there's ground that is certainly being gained. Uh, so whatever it is that's going on with this, whatever the real story is, because there's a lot of suspect, uh, very suspect things. Of course, we had another shooting today, uh, high profile in Chapel Hill, uh, University of North Carolina. We had a graduate student, UNC graduate student, Talele Kui from Wuhan University in China. He is the person of interest that has been named, uh, been taken into custody. He shot one of his professors. Now, you know, of course, the media is freaking out about this. If you look at social media, depending on, you know, your proclivities, uh, this is, they, they're going to say a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you some things about Chapel Hill in particular. Most liberal county in North Carolina, uh, Orange County, most liberal county in North Carolina, it is a cancer to the great state of North Carolina and has been for some time. Uh, and, and everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. And UNC has been the site of major tech theft by the Chinese government for a long time now. Very long time. At least since the 90s. At least since the 90s. And so... Um, there have been crackdowns on that. Of course, the uh, the Research Triangle Park and uh, NC State University, Duke University, and UNC make up the nexus of academia in those channels. But it's they they have had a lot of Chinese come in wholesale in graduate degree programs, and they have been stealing technology like crazy, uh, like crazy. UNC Chapel Hill, by the way, has the patent. They filed the patent in 2015 for what would become COVID-19. That's a fact. The patent is there. Okay. That's not tinfoil hat. That's not, Hey, you know, let's, uh, let's be scared of things. No, it's a fact. Okay. So how did it get from UNC Chapel Hill to Wuhan. Well, it, why are we importing graduate students from Wuhan University? I mean, it's a valid question. Okay, you know, why? Why? If, if we know what they are doing, we know that the Confucius Institute is a giant spy organization, and they've given a lot of money to Roy Cooper. They've given a heck of a lot of money to Democrats here in North Carolina. We have a lot of documented cases of that. You know, why, why are we not taking measures to stop that? And yet this guy, this guy who shot his professor, it's my belief, my uh, personal intuition, if you will, uh, that this is, he got caught in the, in the fact, uh, got caught in the act, rather, and got shut down got made, got his cover blown, and it was time to shift gears. Uh, so, anyhow, um, 
you know, just odds and sods floating around things that are, uh, of course, going around, getting around things in the news, breaking it down. And I'll be honest with you, you know, it's extremely stressful when you watch these things. You know, I talked to uh, a friend of mine and a student earlier today um, who, you know, he called me up. We were talking about something else and, you know, he just laid it all out there. I mean, the man's Vietnam vet. He is uh, got a very long and distinguished military career. Um, you know, he, he's he's really, really an, an incredible human, and, and I'm honored to know him. And when he says, you know, hey, I'm I'm telling you, this this is the last stand. We're coming up on the last stand here. You know, the man means it. He's been there. He's done that. You know, he he has done that. He has he. You know, like a lot of us, all right, like a lot of us, but that, that sentiment is there, right? This is the reality that is setting in and it's setting in rapidly, you know, because we're tired of taking this, we're tired of taking it. We're tired of, of, um, you know, hearing this nonsense. We're tired of being subjected to it, you know, and, and turned around and, and being told that we're wrong, you know, we're wrong, you know, it's, it's, and the worst part about this, though, the worst part about it all, is that no one in our government, no one, GOP included, seems to be interested in any sort of de-escalation. It is simply sit down, shut up, we're not willing to listen to what you have to say. You know, and how dare you do the same things that we've been doing for a long time, questioning elections. Does anybody remember, by the way, Gore versus Bush? Was that or was that not a questioning of election results? Yes, it was. Yes, it absolutely was. And of course, it was settled in the Supreme Court. But of course, we had Al Gore that was actively seeking to overturn that election then and continuously stuck with the story. He wrote it out. He made some money off of it. Uh, Albert Gore Jr. made plenty of money off of it. The money that he had already made off the cocaine trade. Uh, But (laughs) I digress. I digress. But uh, anyhow, I'm rambling here. Another story that probably flew under the radar. Another story that probably flew under the radar. Of course, you know about the FBI no-knock raid on Craig Robertson, the man who, uh, or Craig Robinson, rather. Man, 70-year-old veteran out in Utah who had like five followers on Facebook, shared a couple of spicy memes expressing his displeasure for the current resident of the White House, and uh, the FBI went and shot him dead for it. You know that story. Now, I didn't really go deep into that. I didn't really talk about that on a podcast uh, because at the time that that story broke, I felt like my emotions personally were running kind of high and that I could convey an analog message to that in maybe a better way, right? Maybe a better way. But we have yet again another case of this yesterday, 
yesterday, late yesterday afternoon, uh, this one came across my desk. And of course, this is coming from the Gateway Pundit. The FBI refused to tell mother of disabled veteran why they stormed her home and proceeded to shoot and kill her disabled veteran son, Theodore Deschler, in pre-dawn raid. No new details have been released. This occurred yesterday, and it happened in Henderson, Tennessee. All right, the article goes on to say there are no new answers from the FBI on why they found it necessary to raid the home of a disabled U.S. veteran and shoot him dead in the morning of August 16th. Uh, Theodore Deschler was shot and killed when FBI agents raided his home near Henderson, Tennessee. Now Deschler's family are looking for answers. There's still no news from the government on why they had to break the windows, toss smoke bombs into the home, and shoot Dessler, who was unarmed at the time. So, let's talk about this one. Uh, pre-dawn raids. Pre-dawn raids. These are also known as tactical call-outs. Uh, when you are going to apprehend a, a suspect of something, you have an arrest warrant, or you have a search warrant, you will serve them at particular times. And depending on the threat model of the person in question, you're going to serve it in a particular way. Uh, One of the better ways to serve warrants to keep them from escalating is by just doing traffic work. Uh, Traffic cops are the ones who pick up more warrants than anybody. Um, And that's one that you can typically get somebody on very quickly. Uh, Tactical call-outs are typically very dramatic. They're very expensive. Some of the images from this, uh, of course, they have their uh, MRAP out there. They have their, uh, looks like a a Matt V and, you know, they're all dressed in multicam here. You know, I don't understand why a law enforcement agency needs to be dressing like soldiers. Um, I get wearing tactical gear. I totally understand that. Uh, But multicam, you're not a military force. Okay. I, that, that's an issue. Um, you know, olive drab, desert tan. Hey, you know, all right. If, if that's your game, that's your game. But, uh, wearing the multicam. Nah, I'm sorry. Um, you're, you're not a domestic occupation force or are you, or are you Uh serious question here, you know, but anyway, they've got their up armored vehicle and I get it, you know, threat modeling. If the guy is, is, is a risk, you think you're going to have a shootout or whatever, Again, there's there's ways to de-escalate this. But if you show up at a pre-dawn raid, you know the guy's likely to be armed, right? He's a vet. They've probably read it, read it you know, on his, his psychological profile, you know, because they're going to gain access to all that stuff, right? You know, if it's HIPAA, they say, you know, HIPAA and everything. But I'm going to tell you, the VA system, if they're doing a warrant on this guy, the feds got a warrant on this guy, all that stuff's just a suggestion. It's not legally admissible, but they will get access to it. Okay. Um, Anyway, with that said, uh, pre-dawn raids, you're eliciting a specific response, right? Tactical call out. You know that you're escalating the situation. You know that you are. 
no doubt about it. And from what I understand about this case, you know, there was minimal involvement of local law enforcement. Um, very similar to how it was conducted in Utah. That's unfortunate. Okay. And that's really not good when you're talking about governmental transparency and when you're talking about de-escalating a situation that is already uh, reaching a fever pitch. This is not a good look for anybody. Okay. This is not good for anyone. So, uh, according to, this is going on in the story, according to WBBJ, uh, which is a local news affiliate in Henderson, Tennessee, FBI agents showed up at a residency in, in Henderson to serve a man, Theodore Deschler, an arrest warrant when things turned deadly. Um, you know, the escalation of flashbangs at 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, so you're, you're tossing bangers in. Uh, doing breach bang clear uh, stuff, tactical call out fails, and you know CQB environment. Those guys are going in with the intent to kill. Okay, period, period. End of story. That's the way that that goes. Okay, when you go inside that building, everything becomes a threat. Well, if everything's a threat, you know mistakes are made. If they were there to arrest this guy, again, there's a hundred other ways that that arrest could have been conducted that wouldn't have led to this kid's untimely death. Okay, at their hands. At their hands. They shot him. They killed him. Um, you know, again, and, and this calls into question the whole process by which warrants are served. Um, you know, a federal warrant, so on and so forth. And it doesn't matter what it was for. Okay. That's the other thing. It doesn't matter what it was for. There were other ways to accomplish this. If you were trying to take him into custody without killing him, without the utilization of lethal force, the minimalization of that, there were other ways to do this. All right. So I can tell you this too, before you do a tactical call out, and I've done a lot of these, uh, did a lot of them overseas. My second tour in Iraq, this was the bulk of at what we were doing uh, for the first part of the tour. We, we were doing a couple of different things. It was our mission, but tactical call-outs was one of them. Um, and, you know, we would do that. And fortunately, the bulk of those it led to no, no real incident, right? But before you're doing a, a tactical call-out, before you are showing up and, and, you know, putting on the show with the armored vehicles and, the, you know, all the kinetic stuff and the, you know, the, the door kicking and we're ready to fight. Before all of that, you put that target under surveillance, right? And you establish what's known as patterns of life. And so longtime listeners of mine know I've talked about patterns of life quite a bit. Um, you know, patterns of life, your routines, your daily routine, what you're doing, uh, you establish that. And the surveillance is establishing that on you, right? Or you are establishing that as the surveillance on your target. I think that might be a better way of putting that. And you write out a schedule. You know, who are they interacting with? When are they interacting with them? What is their daily schedule? What is their routine? What are their, uh, where are their anchor points where they spend the bulk of their time? You know, what are their common routes there? 
And when you begin to think about things like that, um, you know, you, you establish a pattern. And if you are trying to intercept a target, right, with minimal incident, there are ways to do that. Okay, uh, I'll give you another example that is uh, an example. I think that maybe might be a poor example of this, but it is an example nonetheless. The Mallor Wildlife Refuge and Lavoie Finnegan. This one could have been resolved much uh, uh, easier without any bloodshed. Um, you know, Lavoie, of course, probably many of us have seen that video. Um, you know, unfortunately, of of uh, what happened, what transpired, the events that transpired there, but um, they had his route out, his route of egress as he was going to meet with the county sheriff of uh, Mallor, Oregon. Um, they they had all of that planned out. They knew where he was going to be, and they ran into a roadblock. So with this kid right here, the FBI, right? The FBI is after him for who knows what, who knows what, you know, we're, we're not going to know, but they had other ways of getting him. Okay. This was really not, uh, this, this was the worst outcome of them all. And I'll submit to you this, uh, if, if the federal Bureau of investigation cared, uh, if they cared at all about their reputation, in the eyes of the American people, they would be bending over backwards to explain the situation, give an alternative statement on it, say what was going on and, you know, make, make all means for transparency, but they have a long history of not being able to do that. Uh, they have a long history of, of keeping everything quiet and they have a long, very checkered history of, any sort of, um, let's say, uh, honor in how they conduct these investigations. Uh, they are the one law enforcement agency that is not required to record encounters. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. So, uh, you know, kind of a big deal. And meanwhile, we are discussing, talking about shootings, right? We're talking about these quote unquote shootings. So a kid goes into Dollar General, um, unfortunately, and I, I'm sad that it happened. All right. Um, nobody should have to go through that. But at the same time, this is why it is your responsibility to be armed. It is your responsibility. You know, everybody talks about a Second Amendment right, right? My Second Amendment right, it's my right, right? It's my right. I contend that it's a human right. I don't need it enumerated in a document to tell me what I can do and what I can't do. That's a human right, okay? But, but rights entail duties. And if you have a positive right for something, meaning I have the right to do, and the government in turn has a negative right, thou shall not, then you have a duty to exercise that and to be armed and understand that well-regulated does not mean simply being armed. It means simply being trained and trained well. Well-regulated means well-trained. 
That is what that means. Literally. Literally. But, you know, those of you who get it, get it. Those of you who don't, don't. And that is just what it is. It's it's a daily reminder. Um, but regardless of what you think about it, regardless of what you think about the shooting, uh, this incident right here has been swept completely under the rug. They're not talking about this one anymore, and they're not going to talk about it anymore. Uh, so this kid, unfortunately, whatever it was he's he had done, whatever trouble he had got himself into, got swept under the rug, and that's just that. Uh, so, and of course, this is also coming after the now infamous mugshot of Donald Trump and his inner circle in Georgia of uh, the indictees has really backfired, really backfired. I don't, I'm not going to get deep into that. I don't really want to talk about that because a lot of people have talked about it. That's been beat to death. You know, we, we've, we've already done that, but, uh, that's backfired on them. And it's backfired on them in a big way. So there has to be a diversion. Okay, there has to be a diversion. So either they're going to manufacture one or they will just latch on to something that happens and that's what's going to dominate the news cycle. That's what they're going to talk about. Folks, don't buy into it. It's a bunch of crap. Anyway, I want to talk about something going into this episode that... Really, we haven't done in a while um, letters to Radio Contra, questions to Radio Contra. And this is something that we haven't done in some time uh, for a lot of reasons. It's, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. There's only so many things that I can do. But, um, you know, these questions, I do try and answer them when people send them in. But I think that this is a really good one. It's a very in-depth one, and it has to do with a book. Uh, so this is, of course, coming from an anonymous, uh, and, and we will leave it at that because I never disclose people's info. Uh, but uh, great book. Thanks, brother. I just finished reading The Gorilla's Guide to the Balfang Radio. This book answered many questions I had on the subject. Thank you. My knowledge level is very limited. I am currently with the... Uh, search and rescue organization for my area where we used analog radios for many years and recently moved to digital. The range I was getting on my Balfang radio was better than the issue radio. So I used it. I slowly became familiar with chirp software, etc. Now my Balfang UV 82 radios are for inter-team communications. Okay. My other interest is hunting, where we separate from our party and cover a lot of ground. We've been using Garmin Rhinos for the team mapping feature. I have taught many classes on GPS for use for search and rescue, ATV clubs, and uh, our state-level search and rescue organization. Because of the terrain we cover, the Garmin Rhino GMRS Channel 19 uh, range can be spotty. I have prepper interests as well, but I've not quite got there yet. Anyway, I say all of this to uh, so you know the lens I'm looking through. I want more range while hunting, and I want the possibility, uh, and I want the possibility to have comms with base camp several miles away. From the book, the information that resonated with me was a lower VHF frequencies are best in the bush, 
and B, the need for the correct antenna length is critical for the frequency used. I do not have a ham license, so hypothetically, if one of the lowest frequencies used on my Baofeng, say 140 megahertz, in combination with a 1.7 foot antenna with the radio set at 5 watts, range will be maximized. I hope you're nodding your head. I have a couple of questions that I do not think were covered in the book. A, my radio has a ground screw on the side. What is this for? Uh, how can it be used to improve range in the scenario above? B, can any of the many antenna analyzers available on Amazon be used to confirm I have the right radio mounted antenna and or base camp jungle antenna? All right. So let's dive into this one right from the top. Um, you know, first of all, thanks for grabbing the book and, uh, man, I really appreciate that. And, you know, for everybody out there that, that has got a copy all, uh, close to 31,000 of you now, I really, really appreciate that. Um, you know, and, and I'm sincerely honored that, you know, it, it's helping you and you're applying this to, you know, more than just the Baofeng Radio. I mean, Gorilla's Guide to Baofeng Radio, the first chapter literally deals with the Baofeng. Everything else is can really be applied to any VHF and UHF radio. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, that, that's what it was written for. Uh, it's, it's, it's a book on operating practices more so than it is, Hey, you know, buy a piece of gear. Cause we get told to buy crap all the time. All right. But not many things out there disclose how to use it and how to use it properly. Uh, and, and, you know, proper operating practices. Uh, so first of all, let's talk about digital versus analog and i'm not even talking about this from the communications security perspective the comsec perspective uh that's a whole other rabbit hole that i've went down in the past and eh, we're just not gonna go there uh but analog so in theory in theory at least analog is going to do a little bit further line of sight than digital is. Now, digital is more efficient. Let me quantify that. A digital signal, a digital protocol is an all or nothing affair. You either get all of it, especially DMR and P25. And if I had to guess, I'd say your system that, that you got issued is probably a DMR system for uh, search and rescue um, P25 is normally reserved for law enforcement in a lot of places, but, uh, they could be issuing you that. I mean, I, there are some agencies that are, but if I had to guess it'd be DMR because it's a little bit less expensive. Um, but anyhow, um, the thing is, is that it is an all or nothing kind of deal. You, you either get the transmission or you don't. And if the radio is outside of the range where it is linking between, because it, uh, P25 systems will send out a constant linking protocol. Uh, they're sending that out and they're doing it constantly. So the radios are trying to ping one another to create a link. Uh, that, that is the way that they work. So all of you out there who've been advocating using, you know, surplus P25 crap, uh, and it is crap. Mm, you know, you you may or may not know what your radio is actually doing. Uh, and if you don't know what your radio is actually doing, and specifically when it is transmitting, 
and when it is not. If you really don't know, uh, then then you, you might need to come talk to me. Uh, or at least get a spectrum analyzer and see what it is doing. So anyway, uh, when they are outside of the range of one another, you're going to get a, you know, a sad tone that is telling you that, you know, you can't talk. You're outside of that range. Well, the analog radio is no such thing. And you may be on the fringe of that. So you might get part of somebody's transmission. You may not get the whole thing. You may not get it clearly, but you're going to get part of it. Um, and so this is where, you know, you, you could say, Hey, say again over digital radios again, all or nothing, all or nothing, uh, affair. And if, even if you are within the range of one another, you can still get digital static, digital breakdown. Um, you know, people who don't really know how to use radios very well, you know, how will reach Mark? Uh, that kind of thing going on, you know, which just owes to operating practice. Uh, just owes to operating practice. But uh, that is a good observation there. And, and that's one that, that a lot of other people uh, have. Now, another thing that I want to point out is the frequency range itself that you're using. Uh, if they move to a digital UHF system and they very well may have I, I didn't look into you know what you're using but if you don't know a good reference that you can pull up it's 100 free is radioreference.com and you can find this information because it's public knowledge right? it's disclosed to the public <clears throat> everything that is transmitting in a given area you're going to be able to pull that data up uh, so, you know, everything that is supposed to be transmitting public service, amateur radio, so on and so forth. That's all public data. You can pull all that up. Um, so it could be that they went to a UHF system and it just doesn't work very well, you know, and, and that's part of it. You know, here in North Carolina, we went to uh, the Viper system, um, uh, for the, uh, state troopers, North Carolina state highway patrol. And Viper does not work very well. Viper is is a proprietary system. It's not used by any other agency in the world. And um, it does not work very well in the mountains because it's up in the 800 megahertz range. And it doesn't work. Um, you're talking about, you know, high band UHF at that point. It's It's got an extreme line of sight. And so when you're in the mountains... It doesn't really work. And so they, they've run into all kinds of problems with that. Tried to get it to work, tried to get it fixed, tried to do, you know, all the patchwork on it. And it's just not, um, it, it is not working out. So, you know, where you are in your geographic location, it is also mountainous there as well. And so UHF from a uh, sustainment communications perspective as described in the book, you might want to focus on VHF, uh, specifically VHF, and keep it to that. Now, that brings us to your next point here, Garmin Rhinos. Uh, Garmin Rhinos Rhinos came out, I think, (sighs) my first tour at Iraq. That was about the time they had come out. Uh, Because I remember my platoon sergeant had a couple of them. And we were playing around with them until they got banned, until uh, GMRS radios got banned uh, or private radio systems got banned because they were triggering IEDs. 
Um, but anyway, they were neat. I thought they were really neat. I, I did not know that they were still being made. Um, it was a good idea at the time, which, you know, back then I, I really didn't know what I didn't know. Um, God, back then I, I didn't, I didn't know squat back in those days. I, I was just a, you know, Joe, brand new soldier, you know, thrown into his first tour in Iraq. I, man, I didn't know squat, but, um, I always thought it was a neat idea. I mean, you've got a, a radio that's got a built-in GPS. It's got a mapping feature. So you've got all these things that you can do with it, right? It's like your, your own personal little dagger. Uh, the dagger was our uh, issued GPS that we used, that, uh, the, the RTOs on um, uh, in, in every rifle platoon would use. But, uh, and, and we used it for a few different things. The forward observers would use it to, um, you know, get a, a distance and direction targets and, you know, for directing munitions and so on and so forth. But I said, for all intents and purposes, it's a GPS. Uh, anyway, so having a device that had all of these things built into one seemed like a really good idea. The problem is here is that GMRS is channelized. Um, it's publicly known data and all of those channels are listed in the Gorilla's Guide to Baofeng Radio, what frequencies they are. So if you are relying on that device for anything other than sustainment level communications for you and your hunting buddies, that's fine. Um, but if you're doing anything else for it or else with it than that, that's a major detriment. I mean, to me that falls into the same category as ATAC. Um, maybe even worse, maybe even worse in a couple of cases, because if you get captured, that's a map with all your buddies on it. That's everywhere you've been. Uh, so that's exploitable data. You don't know what else is transmitting. Um, those Garmin Rhinos, I, I remember about them that you could transmit your location from one place to another and it would pop up on the map. And we always thought that that was really cool because it was like we had our own little Blue Force tracker. Well, you know, the insurgents in Iraq, you know, AQI, Al-Qaeda, Iraq, Al-Naqshabandi, right? The insurgents, the phantom ghosts we were chasing, they didn't have the intelligence capability, you know, to exploit electronics the way that we did, you know, they went about it a whole different way. So that wasn't a consideration that we have, but I'm going to tell you, it, we train like we fight. And if I don't have an army behind me and I'm it now I'm the insurgent. And so that's, that's really something important to think about. Now, again, I know that's a little dramatic and that's a little bit outside of your, your question here. But uh, also, something you want to consider is that GMRS frequencies are publicly known channelized data. You know, and if you're sticking to those and someone wants to do something nefarious, they can. Uh, it's, it's very, very easy to intercept that. And that's regardless of whether you're using uh, digital encoding or... Uh, encryption or, you know, any of that, if you're operating on that frequency, they got you. Okay. End of story. And somebody who knows what they're doing, like myself would say, oh, okay, they're operating on, you know, GMRS 19. I know that their, their range between one another from radio to radio can't be more than a mile in this terrain. 
And so if I'm receiving you, then I know that you can't be more than a mile away from me. So, um, anyway, and, and that's just kind of scratching the surface on that. So, you know, that's why I kind of forgot they existed. Uh, I thought they were really, uh, the other side of that was I thought they were really expensive with what they were. Uh, but you know, if, if you're out hunting with your buddies and that's really all you're doing with it, sure. Shutter saying too, that that UHF radio is not going to transmit very far. Just not going to happen. Okay, the UHF does not perform well in the hills. It's physics. Okay, it's not opinion. It's physics. That's the way it works for a lot of reasons. You're talking about heavy vegetation. You've got signal loss uh, because when the RF energy of UHF hits um, uh, vegetation, it's like a kaleidoscope and it scatters your signal. So that... um, you know, that cuts down your, your uh, physical range in terms of distance that much more. So, um, anyway, moving on here, uh, that's, that's why I really about thing in VHF. If they made a, a Rhino with VHF capability, that would be pretty cool. Um, you know, with MERS, do it with MERS. Uh, multi-use radio service it's a, or a multiple use radio service rather and I, I talk about MERS the utilization of MERS and it's five channels uh, versus 22 like GMRS but MERS is is capable of some interesting things and so if you're trying to stay license free you don't you know you don't want to get into ham and all that but you, you know you're, you're not going straight outlaw with everything um, you know MERS MERS is a pretty good option It'd be cool, you know, if Garmin, if you're listening, uh, make a make a Garmin Rhino with MERS. I might buy one. You can send one to me. You'll probably make billions of dollars off of it. You can send one to me. Anyway, uh, going on with your questions here, right? Because this is, this is some stuff that I think people would really, uh, really, really want to know. Um, you know, again... Lower VHF frequencies are best in the bush, just as I pointed out, uh, as you stated here, and the need for correct antenna length is critical for the frequency used. Yes, this is called resonance. Okay, this is called resonance. So you're stating here that you don't have a ham license. MERS. MERS all day, every day, multi-use radio service, uh, 151.82 through uh, 154 point something i can't i'm trying to remember right off the top of my head anyway megahertz is five channels Uh, that's five channels so uh you know you do want to have a a close to resonant antenna for this um this is where your jungle antenna comes in as described in the book if you make one of those which you know hint hint each piece of wire you cut is 19 inches long Put it on a cobra head, got the cobra heads at brushfeeder.store, and you get that thing strung up in a tree uh, with coax cable and, you know, connecting it to your radio. You're going to see your range in terms of physical distance and your reception capability improve by a whole heck of a lot. Uh, specifically 6 dB of gain, and that's really something. Um, that is really something you, you, you know, you're, you are doubling your, um, uh, capability twice over because decibels of gain are in, uh, way, in terms of magnitude, orders of magnitude. There you go. I'm stumbling over my words, 
But, um, you know, let's say you ain't got time to string one of those up, external antenna, whatever. These things are kind of beyond you. Of course, this is all things that we cover in the RTO course. Um, but you can also achieve better results by simply replacing the stock antenna. One of the best ones, one of the most durable ones is the BNC gooseneck antenna that I have at brushbeater.store. And that is a BNC connection. So you're replacing the SMA connection, which is prone to breaking the, uh, the, uh, thread shear off and everything else can break off inside the body of the radio, replace that sucker with the BNC connector, clip the antenna on, right? Because it's a press it down and twist it in place. It's locked on. It's good to go. Very robust connection point, especially for a bow thing. And you, you, you've got a heck of a system. Heck of a good system there. Uh, so moving on down the list here, you uh, Next parts of your question, my radio is a ground screw on the side. What is this for? Uh, so all radios have a type of ground screw. And all this is, I, I go in detail with this in class, but all antennas are a form of a dipole. All of them are. And what that means is that it has a uh, positive side to negative side or a hot side and a cold side. Hot side and a ground side, right? Negative is ground side. And the positive side on a handheld radio is what you see, right? That, that's the antenna that typically is vertical. It's on the top. But that's only half the antenna. The other half is actually the radio body itself. And this is known as artificial ground. Well, when you have a small radio, right, a handheld radio that's relatively small, you don't really have a whole heck of a lot of material there to rely on to create a solid ground. And so while you can put a, a big heckin' antenna on it and, you know, and, and that's going to improve your performance, you're not really changing the ground. Now, um, the reason that radios are built with that ground in it is when, when you are transmitting, you're going to have a little bit of that energy come back into the radio. Not all of it goes out, okay? You know, one-to-one is an ideal type. It's never quite perfect. Uh, you can never achieve a true one-to-one -one, uh, SWR. You're always going to get real close to it, but but never uh, right there at it. So you're going to have a little bit of energy that's not getting transmitted out of the radio that's going to be coming back. And it goes back down to the radio, and it comes out in the form of heat and static. Uh, so one way to alleviate that is to you know have a piece of, of wire that runs to the earth ground, right? Because the perfect ground is the earth ground. Right. We, we know this is uh, electricity 101, All right? And so when you connect that to the body of the radio, uh, the artificial ground, so those screws that are in the, the back of the body, right? they're on uh, the bow thing. You have those two screws that are back there. You can unscrew those. Those go right into the artificial ground. What you can do is take a, a small ring terminal connector like you get at an auto parts store, and run the wire in there, crimp it on, you know, and have a little spool of wire and, you know, plug that you know, down into the ground, right into the earth ground. That's going to improve your capability as well. Now, I don't necessarily think that, that that's necessary in a handheld radio, a mobile radio, base station radios. Yeah, you want to ground those. 
Okay, you want to ground those for a lot of reasons, especially when you're getting up into the higher wattages and higher duty cycle. You're going to have a lot of excess static buildup, and you know you want to avoid having a Jacob's ladder in there, which really you're only going to run into if there's, you know, you're running like thousand watts or something. But uh, that being said, still there's a shock risk and everything with a handheld. I really wouldn't worry about it too much. Uh, could you? Sure, but I, I really wouldn't worry about it. Uh, second part of your question here. Antenna analyzers. Um, you can put an antenna analyzer on VHF, UHF antennas. We, we've done it. The ones that we build in class, um, you know, when students bring antenna analyzers, we'll use it to check it out. Um, what you're doing with an analyzer is you are getting that standing wave ratio, right? Which is a, you know, one to one, one to 1.5, one to you know, or a 1.5 to one, rather two to one, so on and so forth. What this is telling you is, is how efficient your antenna is. You want to get as close to one to one as possible. Um, so it's not really going to tell you whether your antenna is mounted properly. Although there are ways to interpret that data really too much. Cause I'm going long here. It's too much to, to, uh, get into, but what it is going to tell you is is that your you know your your antenna is actually performing the way that it's supposed to. Uh, so th- that's definitely something you want to think about. Uh, I hope that this answers your questions. Um, you know, it is radio can be a very very complicated topic. Um, can be a very overwhelming topic. It can go way deep um, into stuff. And, and, you know, to be fair, a lot of us just don't have that time. You know, a lot of people, like, like I was when I first got into this, you're not looking for a hobby. You just want your equipment to work. Like, okay, man, you know, I'm not interested in having the best of this, that, and the other. I just want to know how to make my equipment work. And sometimes it's, it's good to reach out. Sometimes it's good to, to ask somebody that knows, you know, but understand that the book, the Gorilla's Guide to the Baofeng Radio is a giant leg up in terms of that capability in building that knowledge. Um, you know, it's, it, it is a tool that I built as a professional reference, uh, and structured it in such a way that you can easily index that information. Um, you know, a lot of these answers, some of the stuff in there, uh, some of the more technical things in there, I omitted and I left them out because I don't want to get over too many people's heads. I mean, you know, guerrilla warfare, I wrote it by the way, I didn't write it because it was a catchy name or I didn't name it that because it was a catchy name or because I thought that it would, it would grab people's attention you know, that's not what it was written for. It was literally written for gorillas. Like, I'm not kidding. Uh, that book was written to be carried to, you know, Kurdistan or, uh, you know, Nagorno-Karabakh in, in Armenia or, you know, Ukraine or, you know, so on and so forth. It was written for people who have to use what they're handed. 
And how do you do that? How do you create that capability in a hurry? Because we don't necessarily have time to sit here and bitch and moan and argue about, well, what radio would you like to have? Because uh, you know what? I don't care what you would like to have. This is what you got. Make do with what you have. Right. So learn how to best employ what you have. And, um, you know, that it just is what it is. But here in the States, the book is is a massive leg up in understanding the basics and understanding how to get functional equipment up and running. And you can sort out the rest later. Okay, you can build on that later. You can, you know, get whatever other whiz bang, cool guy things you want to your heart's desire ad infinitum. It's fine, but the principles don't ever change. Okay, the principles never change. Keep to the basics. If you keep to the basics, you're going to be all right. You know, and that's what the book covers. So anyway, folks, um, you know, I hope that you got some things out of that lesson. I hope, you know, you, you were able to, to draw on some stuff like that. I love doing episodes like this. Uh, I love being able to dive deep into uh, those, those things and impart those knowledge bombs over on you because, you know, I, I'm going to tell you something. If you're reaching out to me with a question, and I tell people this in class as well, if you reach out to me with a question, it's very likely that other people have that question as well. You know, when you look around the room, I know that that at least a few of you are thinking that as well. And so your questions help the greater community. You know, it, it's it, it's a heck of a lot of fun to answer them and uh, keeps me sharp, keeps me up on my game. But uh, anyway, with that said, folks, you know, I wish you a blessed week. We've got some cool things that are going to be coming up on this podcast this week. And of course, brushbeater.store. Everything, everything over there is, well, not everything. I'd say most things are currently in stock. There's a few things that are going to be in stock momentarily. And I am getting the ball rolling on some other exciting projects that I think that you are going to really, really like. Uh, But everything over there, brushbeater.store, everything that you need to get your communications and a number of other things squared away as well. With that said, folks, have a blessed and wonderful week. God bless each and every one of you out there, and I'll be talking to you again very, very soon. Zensi Scout, out.